Well, goodness, it's good to be back. It's good to see a lot of familiar faces. Uh, a lot of you guys have helped me, uh, good grief, become a dad, become a husband, and uh, good to be here. Let me, uh, let me tell you how it's going in Detroit. I got to keep it light. So this is how it goes in Detroit pretty much. This is a, uh, this is a restroom sign that uh, I've seen three of these. And the third time I saw it, depending on how you feel, this is either extremely funny, extremely sick, it breaks your heart, or you're just like, good grief, you know? And so this is about the tone that we experience in Detroit here. So uh, I took a picture so you guys could get just a little bit of love on that. It's good. And so this morning, um, man, there were a lot of things that, that I had on my heart to talk about. And and half of this changed yesterday. And uh, as I was sitting down and, and, you know, there's a process that you go, to as a, uh, go through as a speaker where, you, you know, you come in and, and, and to be honest with you, I was going to talk about really the battle that I've had with my wife and how we've built our marriage. And I assumed in doing that, that, um, that we were all followers of Jesus, that, that our number one responsibility as men was to have a relationship with God. And so, I don't want to assume that this morning because I've assumed that in several talks. And so um, in Detroit right now, we've, uh, I've been here. I was at Church on the Move. I'm here today, but I was at Church on the Move for close to 18 years. Uh, worked in almost every department in the church. And uh, as I was faithful, God promoted me. And to the point where I got to step into a leadership role at our South Campus and really help uh, kind of build a foundation for what we're doing through uh, our multi-site stuff right now, which is awesome. And in doing that, uh, the realization of what hit me is what I'm going to talk to you about today. It's about uh, why we all sit in this room. And it's not about a what, it's about a who. And so um, in Detroit right now, uh, dude, it's a, it's, a, it's a broken city. It's a dark city. It's a cold city. Every adjective that makes you feel alone, that's what it is. And everybody feels like that there. And so my family is one of very, very few people walking as examples of what it means to be followers of Jesus there. And, uh, and it's great. However, it's also really hard. And so as, um, as I get to speak, and I'm speaking at two, two different men's groups right now, and we've got a couple of small group gatherings going, which are really good. Some of these topics have hit. And um, as I talk about the two things I'm going to talk about today, I just want to tell you that an 82-year-old man came up to me. He's never journaled before in his life. He's never had a, a personal quiet time to actually get still and pray. And I got to meet with this guy. His name is Howard Hill, and he was Lee Iacocca's attorney back in the day when the auto industry was booming. If you know who that guy is, it, it's a really big deal for this guy to ask for help. And so I've been meeting with this guy in his living room, and it's been incredible. It's been incredible. The other day, I got to uh, speak at another men's uh, meeting, and as I spoke, this guy named Hank comes to me, and he says, hey, uh, I, just, I just do uh, my quiet time in the car on the way to work, and I'm convicted. I know it's not enough. And we talk for an hour and a half back and forth. And it's like, I don't have time. I've got to work. When I wake up, I'm behind the clock, right? And so I really just don't have time to get it done. And we realize that his first step, if that's, if that's you this morning, and that's how you kind of, you know, shelf your chair time to say, well, I'm going to pray on the way to work, or I'm going to, I'm going to listen to an audio book or whatever. We all have that. You're taking a step, but your next step is to put that car in park, Right when you get to the office or to wherever you call work 
and take one minute. Just take one minute. Honor God with that first minute once you get to the driveway or wherever it's at. And guys, it's the same thing that happened for me. And so I'll get into that a little bit. If you want to keep up with what we're doing in Detroit, you can go to onecity.info. I'm going to plug Hampton Creative. Those guys are here. They built the site, not the content. So if you see typos, that, they're not responsible for that. That's me. Um, but they built that site, onecity.info. You can check out what we're doing there, which is really, really good. And so we went to Detroit with the, with the goal of creating disciples, multiplication, not addition. And so then it was, how can we lead people to know, believe, and apply the Bible to their life? And I think that's where we sometimes suck as men is application, right? And so in the church world, we would say, well, we've got to get it from your head to your heart. We've got to get it to where it's not just what you know, it's what you believe, man. If you can believe it, you can change the world. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, knowing and believing mean the exact same thing on the couch, okay? It's just a little more comfortable. What happens though is when you get it from your heart to your feet, people start seeing it in you. And that's what changes the world. You have to see it in your feet. It, ha- it leads to application. No application, no change, right? Which kind of sucks because it's uncomfortable. And so today my goal is not to teach you anything. I'm not a teacher. I'm gonna share my experience with you and hopefully we can leave as better men because I believe you're gonna make me better today. You already made me emotional, so that's one more I can tell Heather, hey, I got emotional today, okay? Before I even start talking about the topic, I wanna say this first thing you need to know this morning is as you sit here, regardless of uh, what your circumstance is or where you find yourself in life or what age bracket or how you, uh, you know, approach your day, you're accepted. You're accepted today. That's it. The biggest thing I had to get through my thick skull was I am accepted. God loves me just as I am. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. You're accepted today. Now, it's a room full of men. It's going to get quiet. It's all good. Do not harden your heart this morning. Please, please just open up and hear. You're accepted. And it's a big deal, guys. It's a big deal. That's, that means you don't have to work for anything. It's good. It's good enough. At this church, you, um, regardless of how you grew up, you're not going to find that the people at this church are very judgmental, that um, it's not a this is not a works-based church. You don't have to come here and do something to get in. You're accepted. And so accepted is this church word that we use a lot. It's what we want our new people to feel. We want them to feel accepted when they come in, right? Well, if you don't know that you're accepted first, it's hard to feel accepted when you get here because you're going to feel like a freshman on campus, right? New, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. I'm not going. But what you need to know is before you get in the car on Sunday morning, you're already accepted, you're already accepted. And if you'll just accept that, it's all good. The promise we have in John 3.18 is this. If you believe that God is the Father, He created the world, that He created you, that Jesus is His Son, and He died on the cross for you, and He was raised to life again, John 3.18 says, you will not be judged. You're accepted. And so then, That means God carries an eraser, not an ink pen. He's not writing down, and listen, guys, this goes back to how I was taught. He's not writing down all the bull crap that you do and all the stuff you do wrong. So when you get to heaven, he can go, good grief, son. 
the other day at First Wednesday, and the speaker says, um, if you, he says, all stand up, he's playing this game. He says, if you have ever been kicked out of, who knows what he said, it was kicked out of youth group, or someone's like, crap, I'm on the front row, and I have to sit down. And I'm one of very few. And he says, okay, hey, dude, second chance, stand back up. And then he says, if you ever made out with the girl in youth group, guess what? I was guilty of that too. I didn't sit down though. I just sat down. I just sat down, right? So even my pride got me there. And so then God doesn't carry an eraser. He carries an ink pen. Regardless of what you were taught as a kid, God doesn't write down your wrongs. He erases them. But that comes through seeking. It comes through asking, right? It comes through saying, hey, man, I, I blew it. It comes just ownership, right? The easy part that we have is setting our pride aside, asking forgiveness and accepting it. And so the scripture that stuck out to me uh, the most is John the Baptist is fixing to baptize Jesus. That You read this in two different places in the Bible. And Jesus essentially has to talk him into it. John says, no, 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 I'm not your guy. But when Jesus tells you what to do, you do it. And so it says that John the Baptist baptizes Jesus and the clouds parted and a voice from heaven came down and it said, and it was God. And he said, this is my son who I love and with who I'm well pleased. Now, I wasn't reading that version, by the way. I, had, I was reading this version that said proud. And proud has to do with what I do. Man, I love to do. That's my ditch. Okay? So much so that I got invited to come to uh, our staff. I guess there's this killer conference you guys are having, right? And I had to choose not to go, even though like every fiber of me wants to be here, setting, learning, taking notes, writing down, digesting, going home, unplugging from my wife and kids and thinking about what I learned today. It is, okay, I made a vow that we were going to get away. This is a breath of fresh air for us guys. And if I wanna breathe, I cannot go to that conference. I can't, I can't. And so I didn't. And so what I realized in this is when the clouds parted and God said, this is my son who I love and who I'm well pleased, what he's saying is, this is my son, Remington, who I love and who I'm well pleased. And God's proud of you. He loves you just how you are. He loves you just how you are. So you're accepted today. You are not judged and God's pleased with you, period. If you don't hear anything, now I'm gonna start my talk now. If you don't hear anything I say for the rest of the day, that's it. That's it. And when you walk like that, it changes your life. It'll change your wife. It'll change your kids. And you will start putting it in your feet. Because the suckiest part about being a man is accepting ourselves. Is believing I am good enough. Because we're our own worst critic. We judge, we judge ourselves worse than anybody else does. Worse than our dads. And a lot worse than our pastors. You're good today. Okay. Shifting gears, we're talking about hats. And the hats that we wear uh, are super important to us. And, and they mean a lot. And so the biggest hat we can wear is followers, period. The biggest hat I can wear as a man, as a grown man, is to be a follower. Hang with me. I know you don't want to talk about discipleship today, but that's just where it's going, okay? Here's the dilemma. Our favorite hat normally determines what we do with our feet. Your favorite hat tends to be the one you get the most done in, so then it brings you more satisfaction and more gratification, and it's good. It brings happiness. Psalms ninety seventeen says, God's favor will be upon you, and he will bless the work of your hands. 
Yes, he will cause you to succeed. Work is good. Work is good. That's why he gave it to us. So the things that you do, and, and if work is, this was my ditch. I'm telling you my story this morning. And so some of you guys are like, I, I hate work. Like, I, don't, like I, I work two days a week, right? Hey, good for you. Good for you, okay? It's not as much about the hat we wear, it's about the way we walk. And so then, this is why I believe uh, God sent us to Detroit. It's, it's what, Pastor, what, it's, it's what we're doing at church on the move, right? It's putting it in our feet. It's becoming better followers. And as we become better followers, that means we have to take a step. But we follow with our feet, not our words. And that's in every area of leadership, right? And so then, that's it. The best thing I can ever do or be is a follower. And so then, um, as we went to Detroit, I already told you where we're at. I, ch- I switched to up my bio just a little bit on you. And so our challenge as men is this. We tend to walk what we know. And the more we know, the better we walk in it. The more we know, the better we walk in it. It's all head knowledge, though. It's what we're confident in. And so the reality is, what we do should never fuel who we are. And I found my identity in that. I found my identity in, in what I did. And so then if the what's of our life lead us, what that leads you to feel is empty, alone, and exhausted. Which makes you push a little farther or push a little harder or dig a little deeper to do a little more because I'm almost there if I'll just keep trying. And what that is is living in the Old Testament. That's what that is. Just keep chugging, brother. It's all good. It's all gonna work out. If you just, man, if you just... It's all gonna happen if you just keep going. And that's not the way that God wants you to live. That's not the way that God wants you to live. When what we do fuels who we are, this is big. If you're taking notes, this is probably the first point. When what you do fuels who you are, here's what happens. When people are pissed at you or you are rejected, they are rejecting what you didn't do for them. They don't like you or they're upset with you, or they're not happy with you because of what you didn't do. So what? And guess what? When they're happy with you, and you're popular, and you're liked, it's because of what you're doing for them. It's rooted in a what? When you try to do it physically, you're left exhausted. When we're exhausted, we disengage with the people who love us the very most. Because you just need a break. You need to unplug. It wears you out. And what happens is as we push physically to do and keep everybody happy or check every box, we come home and the people who should be bringing us life and fulfillment, we're driving them away. And we create the excuse that, well, if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be at work. That's what I did. That's what I did. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be doing this. If I wasn't married to you, if I didn't have you three kids, by the way, just cheer you guys up. We're expecting another, which is just awesome right now in, our, in the season of life. So God's good, right? It's good. It's a gift. It really is a gift. So for me, I was chasing accomplishment. But what I couldn't see is, is fulfillment was right in front of me. It was my wife and it was my kids. And I could tell, I could tell when I came home how Oscar was going to be. This, this, all, this is around 2014. I come in and if I come in, and I'd slam my bag down, and I'd toss my keys. Oscar, my two-year-old, would stand back in the corner like this, and he would just watch me like, he's waiting to know when it's okay to approach dad. And that's what got my attention. It wasn't my wife freaking griping at me the whole time, saying, you don't do this. It was not that. It was me noticing Oscar 
scared to death of me. And that broke my heart, guys. And so then I changed a lot. I can't talk about that today because I don't have time. I changed a lot at that point, but it was seeing that, man, I'm pushing the people away from me that are supposed to bring me the most joy. And so then when who we are feels what we do, we gain strength. It's who we are, right? We're connected to the source. Um, so verse, it says, it essentially says you're one with God. And I didn't write it down this morning, but it's, it's, it's believing that and putting it in your feet. And so that when you believe, it's John 15, you can go to John 15. We are the vine, he's the branch, okay? You're connected to the source. And because you are, when you operate from that avenue spiritually, then you have enough. You have more than enough. You have strength to go. And so, because when we give ourselves spiritually, we're connected to the source. We're three parts whole sitting here today, right? You're a spiritual being, you're a physical being, you're an emotional being, okay? And we tend to push ourselves as hard as possible physically and emotionally, and we never tap into the spiritual side. And God says, hey, if you just walk with me, it's all good, bro. I'm convinced that the only yoke we are to carry is our relationship with God. That's why he says, my burden's light. Man, if you just hang with me, just hang with me. Stop trying to do everything on your own. The only thing you need to be carrying right now is this relationship. And when I'm rooted here first, everything takes care of itself. And so then the headache that we live out is we're drained. We're just drained. And so that when you operate from who you are, what happens is this, this is the best. When it's not about what and it's who, when people reject you, all they're rejecting is Christ in you. And when they accept you, all they're accepting is Christ in you. Has nothing to do with what? It's all rooted in my relationship with Jesus. And so then I can walk, guys, listen, you're gonna hear a bunch of stuff in Detroit, like stuff we don't even, like different even words that don't even exist here, okay? Everybody drinks just to drink. Like, hey, we're going to the bar, are you coming? It's a birthday, it's like, uh, you know, somebody having a baby. No, no, we're just going to drink. Like, and that's what we do. Everybody smokes, like cigarettes, are like 1983, right? It's amazing and terrible. <laughs> and so for years, I screwed this up. Work was who I was. Believing is what I did. Husband was a place I held. And dad was something I was afraid of. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. And that day, Oscar opened my eyes. I knew what I needed. I believed what I needed, but I was only walking what I wanted. I was selfish. I was selfish. In 2014, a lot of things kind of came crashing down in my life. My parents started this horrific divorce that just ended in May, okay? Um, and so the first thing I thought I started was, well, who's this guy? Like, he's not living out anything that he taught me. I was in transition. I was full-time coaching and full-time pastoring, which is amazing. I, I, I love that part of it, to be honest with you, because it was, it was how I could check out. Okay, we had two kids under three and in 10 days, we were gonna have our third. And I was telling my wife that she was first. Oh, by the way, I, was, I, I decided I was gonna go back to school at that time too, it was awesome. And I was telling my wife she was first, but I was showing her that she was last. And I was telling her that I will do this and I wasn't doing it. And so um, the, the place I was in, um, if you would say accomplishment-wise, what all are you doing? I was doing everything. I was sleeping like four hours a night. 
And I'd condition myself to do that to like where I still get up at that time right now. Just, just who I am. The problem with that is I had no, no clue who I was. There are more people in this room that could tell you who I am than I could. I had no clue. And so as I started to figure that out, what I realized is, um, just, go to, just talk to Dusty. Dusty can get that done. Because I'd worked in every department here, it was easy for me to just, oh man, yeah, come on, keep it rolling. Keep it rolling, it's good, right? And so as I did that, and, and just kind of disengaged and pulled myself back a little bit to say, man, who the heck am I? It went all the way back to Pastor George and what he had taught me. Do I believe that? I mean, he's, he's like legendary, right? But now I have to go all the way back. Now through all this, guys, I mean, I'm seeing counselors. I'm, I'm like, I'm digging deep because I believe uh, at the root of all of us here, when we get better, everybody else gets better. And that'll probably be, that's going to be in the close at some point. But when, when we get better, everybody else gets better. Work led me to feel appreciated. It led me to feel gratification. As a believer, I felt like I was checking boxes. I was consuming and people would say, hey, you need to read this book. Listen to this podcast. Did you see that video? Have you read this? Have you seen this on version? And guess what I'm doing, man? Bring it. Just consuming. Just consuming. And never one time in all of that spiritual food was I asking or praying Psalms 139, which says, search me, God, know my heart, test me and know my concerns. See if there's any negativity in me essentially and lead me in an everlasting way, Lord. What would you have me to see today? What do you want me to find? Who do you have for me today? How can I make an impact today for you? It was, yeah, I read that. That's all right. I mean, Andy Stanley's okay, okay, right? And we become really good, really good critics, okay? At home, I felt unappreciated and exhausted. At home, I felt unappreciated and exhausted, and it, was, it had nothing to do with Heather. It had nothing to do with Heather. It was, this, it was the decisions I made, all because I created a value around accomplishment. That's it. And for what? For what? The sad thing is it was for what? Because at the end of the day, I had to go, who's making my list? Who creates my list of to-dos? Guess what? I did. And Heather would call me at 4.30 and say, hey, you're going to be home for dinner, right? I'd say, yeah, yeah, girl. I've just, I've got, I got this one thing and it's been green. So I've got to get it off because I color coat my stuff. It's green. I'll be done. It's going to take me 15 minutes. That's a lie. Okay. It's a lie. Six o'clock, Heather calls. Hey, I thought you were coming home. One time is not okay, but I thought it was. And one time led to three, and three led to my life. And man, it was good though, because I was just getting stuff done and I could check the box of men helping people. Or helping people. But I, was, I wasn't helping people. I was, I was doing something. I wasn't helping someone. And the gratification and, the, and, and, and what I felt from that was only because of what I did. It wasn't who I was serving but I could check that box because, man, I'm a great provider. Man, I'm a great provider. While I chased the what's, I was losing my who's. So the journey led me to ask myself one question, who am I? And you might be in the same place this morning. You say, man, I've just been, I've been going. You know, we use the word busy a lot. There's all that stuff, right? And so here's a couple titles. Here's a couple titles. CEO, vice president, entrepreneur, boss, leader, director, coach, employee, crew member, coworker. Then guess what? Husband, 
provider, partner, friend, dad, teacher, follower, disciple. But the only thing you have to be is a son. Son. Just be a son. The greatest thing I'll ever be is a son. It's a who. It's not a what. The greatest thing I will ever be is not a what. It's a who. Son, follower of Jesus. And through all that, I realized that it's not only me, I'm responsible to be a who. This is probably a second point. But I'm not just here to be a who, I'm here for a who. I'm here for a who. And my purpose is the same as yours. It's the Great Commission to go and make disciples. Dusty, yeah, we hear that all the time. I've been at church this long to go and make disciples. What does that mean? Nobody can carry the weight of that. It was when I was here and we'd say, hey, what's our volunteer team? Well, we got six people right now. What do we need to be healthy? 24. Crap. So if I come into that meeting that morning and say, hey, we only got six, but we need 24, you guys got to get to work. That solved no problem. Now all I did was made this real heavy because now all those people feel like they're responsible for, those six people feel responsible for 24 people. And it's real quick to do math. We need 30, but we only got six. Like, I can't do that, right? And so then, if, if what I'm saying is true, that, that discipleship and going into the world to create more disciples is this, God made you a who, and not just to be a who, but for a who. So then your agenda is the same as mine, and it's to get a who to a where. It's one at a time. So then my number one responsibility as a man, as a son of God, is to take care and foster the people that God's given me. Heather, my wife, Oscar, Kaz, Laney, okay? And whoever we got coming down the pipe, okay? Now, I lucked into being, uh, marrying a, a Bible college girl, so awesome. Oscar got saved here. Kaz got saved in the basement of our house in Detroit. And Laney's, Laney's dancing. She's dancing right now. She's young and we're not rushing it, but that's it. A who to aware, it's not physically, but... When I lead with my feet and people start following me, they make decisions based on my actions. If my actions reflect who God has called me to be, we're going to create disciples. And what happens is I get a who to heaven. So then my what is to get a who to a where. It's the same as yours. It's the exact same as yours. You can only do that with your feet. It has nothing to do with what you do. It has everything to do with who you are. It's 1 Timothy 4.12. Lead by example. I'm an example in word, deed, purity, faith, and charity. Everything I do, you see Jesus. So then we would say, we live our lives as an example, even if we have to use words. We used to say that. And it's like, listen, right now we have to use words. <laughs> but you shouldn't have to. People should know you. When uh, I walked into Walmart, I can't tell you, man, I was a baby Christian, and I was just excited. I was on fire for God. I was, I was just thumping the Bible every day. It was, great. it was incredible. And the woman at the checkout, I, my goal at Walmart is to go and find the grumpiest person. It used to just be old ladies all the time. It's changed. To find the grumpiest person at Walmart and go make her day better. So I get in this woman's line and uh, I can't even remember her name because it's been so long. She passed away quite a while back. We had her over for Thanksgiving though. I made such a connection with this woman that she ended up coming to my house for Thanksgiving. The first time she met me, she goes, where do you go to church? I didn't say anything. Hey, how are you? 
Man, it's good to see you today. Small talk, consistent small talk. Where do you go to church? Like, I, I want to I go there. I want to go where you go because if that's how people walk out of your church, I want to go to that church. Come on. And I thought, crap, I've never heard that before. Like, I don't even know. What, uh, I go to church on the move. It's actually kick A, okay? It's, one of the, it's actually really good, okay? You should check it out. And so I invited her to church with me. She came to church months later, but we ended up finding out that she was the only one here from her country. And uh, we started having her over for Thanksgiving. My Walmart checker, okay? That only came after Heather, okay? It only came after Heather. And so that once you realize that who you are feels what you do, then you can take that to the people directly under you because God's given them to you for a reason, okay? That stems to your circle then, which would go to work, right? Then those under your leadership, okay? Who's looking to you? And then from that, it goes to your neighborhood. It goes house to house, one house at a time, one block at a time, one street at a time, one neighborhood at a time. And that's where we're at right now. We're in the neighborhood because the need's in the neighborhood in Detroit. And it's brutal, but we're going and it's good. It's good. But I can't skip loving the people in my house to love the people at the end of the street. It's never gonna connect. Because when people come into our house, they should feel what we're trying to give to the neighbor, which is what we're trying to give to the street, which is what we're trying to be in our neighborhood. And so it's Matthew 6, 33. It's seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. My version of that was what I just told you. I still say it like that. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things, dude, just, just stay busy. All these things will be added to, what is it? You. I was reading the wrong version. The real version says, you seek first, you seek first God and everything will take care of itself. The greatest, the, the 10 commandments, okay? We all, we all kind of know what those are. I'm not gonna ask you to recite them because you don't need to. Because the Bible says in Matthew, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And the next verse is if you'll do these two things, You'll obey all the others. Guess what we do as men? Man, do you know how bad I blow it? I can't do this right. I don't do this. I can't do this. Blah, 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 blah. Guess what? Wasting your time. God says, hey, just do these two things and everything else will take care of itself. Couple questions for you if you're taking notes. How many hats do you wear? You have to be real. Don't give us a church answer here, okay? And these are for you. So how many hats do you wear? You probably have three or four, okay? If you're not sure, then you have a problem, okay? What hats are your have-tos? Because some hats carry weight and other hats are energizing. What hats are your have-tos? This rocked me because I realized in all these things I was, I only chose to pick up the hat of I have to be a provider for my family and I have to be the lead disciplinarian for my family. And essentially, I'm the lead pack mule. Whatever's too heavy for Heather, I carry, and I make sure that we have food and electric. And it's real easy to own that, and I owned that for years, guys. Which of these hats influences your decisions? Here's good. What hat is barely on, and what hat is down tight? 
Because when I'm fun, when I'm having fun, my hat's barely on. When I go to work, guess what? I'm in, I'm locked in, I'm in the zone. Shut my door. Crap to do. Crap to do. What hats barely on, what hats downside? Lastly, what priority do, do these hats hold in your life? Can you tell me what time it is? We're done. <laughs> what priority do these hats hold in your life? Is God in any of them? Is God in any of them? The greatest miracle, the greatest miracle, the fact that you're here this morning is huge, okay? First, that, that's a miracle. <laughs> the greatest miracle that can happen is when a man has heart change. Because something happens, generations change. When your heart changes, when your heart changes, people change. When you get better, the people around you get better. When you become a better husband, your house becomes a lot better. Your marriage becomes a lot better. I always bring too much. I got through three of eight pages. You're welcome. Okay? It's content. The greatest miracle that can ever happen is when you have a heart change. When you realize, step up and take some ownership as the man, which we love to do. And I'll just say this as I close. I'm going to let Mark take this thing back over. What you need to realize is every title that I said, CEO, vice president, crew chief, who cares, whatever your title is, everything that I listed, you already hold at your house. You have all those titles, not just one of them, the one that you're working the most for right now, you already hold from CFO to son. And every title in between, you hold every one of those titles at your house. You just view them with a different perspective. It's work, it's opposition. I'll just say this, I talked to Heather about this and here's the one thing that she said. She said, um, the biggest thing that, that helped our marriage is this, when you realized that I wasn't asking you a question because I wanted to own it, I was asking you a question to gain clarity. I only ask you questions again clearly because I don't understand how you think. And we went through a lot more after that, okay? But the biggest thing was, if you could just get through your thick skull, that I'm only asking you a question because I wanna understand, I don't wanna own it. And the worst thing we do when that happens is we pull out, okay? We're like, oh, we're just gonna be passive. We're gonna sit in the middle, feet off the ground, wife can own it. No woman wants to own every freaking responsibility in your house. None of them do. Can I tell you a joke to close? Here's the joke. This guy, he dies, he goes to heaven, okay? He dies, he goes to heaven. As he gets to heaven, he gets up there and there's two lines. And one line says, all men who have been ruled or dominated by their wives. And that line goes for miles, okay? And this sign says, all men who have not been dominated by their wives. And there's one guy over here. And this dude's like, what? He looks here, he goes over, he touches this guy on the shoulder. He says, hey, he says, uh, how, how'd you do it, man? What's the secret? How did you get here? And the guy looks around puzzled, you know, he can't figure it out. And he says, man, I don't know. My, my wife just told me to stand here. <laughs> Not your wife's boss. And she's not your boss. Don't be passive when it comes to your house. Take those titles and lead.
lead. And just own it, guys. There are two people who know you better than anybody, God and your wife, and one of them you live with every day. She knows you better than you know yourself. I've come to call ahead of my voice of reason. And so um, Mark's going to come close us. As he does that, I just want to say, I'm thrilled that I got to come and share with you today. It was an absolute pleasure. If you need anything, I'm going to hang out. If you want to talk about how I got to that place, I'll be more than happy to share. Mark, thank you guys. Right